Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is not only a music manager and talent show master with more than 75 million album sales under his belt, but he's also... A dear friend. You'll know him from his tenure as the incredibly outspoken talent show judge on First Pop Stars, then Pop Stars Arrivals, and of course, most recently, The X Factor. But you'll also have been listening to his acts for over 40 years now, starting with Ireland's Eurovision winner Johnny Logan back in the 80s, all the way through to the boy band and girl band revolution of the 90s and noughties. He's the man behind Boyzone and Westlife. He put Girls Aloud together and gave the world Samantha Mumba and Jedward. No mean feat when you consider his humble beginnings in rural Ireland as one of nine children. Now 67, he's showing absolutely no signs of slowing down or drifting into retirement, focusing on his day job as a manager to both Westlife and a new act he's raring to get launched. Be warned, his conversation is always brilliantly funny, wildly indiscreet and often outrageous. So stand by your beds, kids. It's Louis Walsh. Louis, 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 how are you? It's been too long. But Kate, you look fantastic. Whatever you've done, it's working. You look Just fantastic. Just two ring lights. <laughs> so it, do you. Good, well, the lighting is working. I'm in Dublin. <laughs> I haven't even shaved for you, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, listen, it's been it's been more than a minute since we last spoke. And then I called I you the other day. And where were you? Exactly where you always were every time I called you on a shoot somewhere with a new band that you're about to get out the traps you don't stop well I mean yeah I, I had auditions in Dublin and I auditioned almost a thousand people and I ended up with five amazing young boys and they all sing and 
they're really, really brilliant. I don't even have a name for them. Do you not? No, I've no name. And they've been in a studio with Brian Higgins, you know, who did old Sugar Babes and Girls Aloud. He's really excited. We think we've got five or six hits already. Now, where did this come up? I mean, listen, you're at a stage in life where I think one of the last times we spoke, you said, I want to slow down a bit. I want to take it a bit easier. Yeah. You just can't help yourself, can you? But Kate, we had two years of doing nothing. I was sitting here in Dublin and I was going crazy. I was watching Netflix and Amazon and Apple and playing music and uh, and I, I needed to do something. So that's when I decided I'll have auditions and find something new because I'm working with Westlife still. That's great. And they're selling out everywhere. and They have a massive year this year. But um, I wanted to do something new. You are still selling stadiums with Westlife. I cannot yeah. believe it. You, you know, Wembley. I, I, Asia is huge for Westlife. China, Asia, Japan. They are massive. Over there. That's the really big market, you know. I remember going over to Asia with you and Boyzone back in the day where Duffy stole... <laughs> I say stole, I'm going to say borrowed, borrowed. a car that we ended up having that to do a bit of a, a mini gig to a couple of police officers there to stop us getting well, arrested. <laughs> Kate, you know what? You were always so great when you, when you were editor of Smash Hits. You were so good for all the young bands. You helped me so much. And you were always giving me advice about songs and people and, and you were spot on. And I'll always remember Smash Hits. That was the start of it all for me, you know. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? And that, that's where we first met. And you were uh, a tour de force. You were un- like, I couldn't get you off the phone and you would never take no for an answer. And I found myself never being able to say no to you because you're just too charming. Well, I, I, was, I was enthusiastic about what I did because I love pop music. I still like it, you know? And yeah. you, you had an opinion on everything which was brilliant and you knew what was going on. And, you know, you were the editor of the big pop magazine. It was brilliant. And then the big poll party and all that. I had to be nice to you. But then we worked on X Factor and we had even more fun. But that was in we our did. dressing room. Well, our dressing rooms as well. Okay. Mine, so all four of us were next door to each other. In fact, I was next to Simon and then on the other side to me was Sharon and then you were at the end. And... It was a little hotbed of action, wasn't it? That that dressing room corridor. If people knew what went on, that was the real show. That was the. It was fantastic. It was brilliant, and it was all real because everybody thought we were in on who's getting voted or what category. We didn't know anything. That was, and that's what made that's what made the show so amazing. And then at the end of the night, who was in the bottom two? Who's going to be voted home? I mm. mean. We, we took it so serious and it was great. We had a brilliant time. We did have a good time, didn't we? We, we did. Sharon, you and me, we bonded. Simon kept to himself. You know, he was the big star. It was his show. and um, But it was an amazing time. We did laugh a lot. An awful lot. An awful lot. <laughs> an awful lot. Maybe, and that's good. Laughing is good. There was a, a spell at the end of the 90s into the early noughties where I would fly out most New Year's Eve in Dublin and always bring a couple of friends with me and we'd have a bit of a party I don't know if you have many memories I remember of those evenings you were the you, only one not drinking as I recall I remember you in the Westbury Hotel you oh, and Denise Van Outen dancing to an old saying song yeah. and you kept playing it and playing and we had the best fun and we used to go to the great nightclub the pod and Dublin it's still a great place it's, it's a great it's a great little island I love living here and it's <laughs> easy now, travelling around Ireland with you is a bit like um, walking around the streets of Rome with the Pope. And I'm not well, even joking. Well I, well, I know everybody here. You know, you I know a lot of people. and I like, li- it's easier. Living here is so easy. You know, 
and it's less stress. I mean, I had a brilliant time going over and back to the UK when I was doing X Factor. That was like 15 years. Okay. You always, always in a hotel and always on a plane. Always in a hotel, but always having a laugh. And it was Lovely. a brilliant time. I wouldn't swap anything. I've had a great life so far, but I just mm. don't want it to end yet. It's not going to end yet. Look at you. No, you I, have... do, I still want the fun. I still want, I still want, one. I want hits. I keep saying to me, I want some more hits. So, so that appetite has not left you, has it? And how are the Westlife boys? Because when I looked into the research for this interview, I can't believe you've done over 50 million record sales with those guys. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, easy. Um, and like a lot of number ones, well, Simon Cowell signed them. He was brilliant to work with. You know, mm. and he used to pick all the songs. We had a brilliant time with him. But their touring is huge, Kate. Asia, they're probably the biggest pop act there at the moment, apart from Justin Bieber, or some of the Korean acts, the BTS and stuff. They're yeah. massive over there, you know. And they did a TV show here the other day in Dublin. It was for Chinese TV. But 23 million people watch it, you know. What? I know. And that's not even a big audience in China. <laughs> Yeah. I love the fact that look at you, you're sat here at an age where you could more than be entitled to say, I'm retired now, my feet are up. And here you no. are quoting, quoting viewing figures for Chinese yeah. TV shows because you still care. I know all the viewing figures. I watched Britain's Got Talent the other night. I watched Good the thing. Jubilee concert. I watched all of it. I love the whole Jubilee weekend. I Good, love it. She's an amazing woman. We're isn't never going to have another woman like her. Ever. Yeah. And you thought you'd Love work it. with some big queens. <laughs> and I have. I have. But she's the best. And she's the most regal. Simon is not. Simon is not Simon. Honestly, hey. it's not. Hey, how's he doing? Please tell me that he's parked his bike for once and for all and is, is staying on uh, two feet and not two wheels. Well, I don't really know. But um, I watched him on TV. I thought he was very good the weekend on Britain's Got Talent. He seemed to have his mojo back, you know. He's a tour of, listen, listen, he's a force of nature. There's nobody like him. You know, I can't believe he's getting like married to a woman. I know. Oh, he has a son, Eric. But Lauren has been really good for him, and she's kind of kept him on the straight and narrow. You know, I've, I've um, never met Lauren, but she's got to be some kind of woman to get him down on one knee. She, yeah, she definitely is, and she's and she's looking after him. You know, and um, he's kind of mellowed a bit. I think having, I think having baby helped him an awful lot. You know. Wow. And he still, he still, he still wears odd clothes. He still wears the high heels. He still has the funny haircut, you know. And you know, so you know what he's like more than anybody. <laughs> I know. You know? But listen, the irony of him is. telling us what to wear was never lost I on me. Know, Trust me. Like, really? That. You've I got know. a flat top and a centre part in, and you're giving I me fashion advice, yes, darling. And no, darling. And <laughs> your three bags full, darling. Yeah. Oh, Sharon is so funny, madam. You know, when you were working with two queen bees, it was so different. You know, because they were so. Both of them were so different, you know, and entitled, and they all had opinions, you know. Yeah, and then you, we... then you had an opinion, and you used to tell them, which was great. Yeah. You were one of the few people to tell them. Yeah, I was, and look where it got me. <laughs> but, hey, listen, you're still working. You're looking younger. You're happy. Very happy. And I wouldn't I wouldn't have changed a word of it no, no, or no a me. moment of it. I really wouldn't, Libby. And me. we did we did have an extraordinary time on a show that we did. well, you know, people will talk about forever and a day, uh, if you were born between the noughties and now, because it was a really important part of pop culture. It was, it really was. And you know, the shows are never gonna be as good as that again. It was real, it was funny, it was everything. Everything is too woke and too perfect now. Everyone's afraid to have an opinion. Yeah, yeah. Would you think, do you think it would be difficult to do that role now 
in a time when you are you've really got to think about everything you say and yet you're yeah. being paid to I react to the moment i couldn't do it because i i don't have a great shelter you know i like to say <laughs> it as i see it because Kate, I know. you know you know that but you know the people at home are thinking the very same thing as you do you think that when we look back over old shows, and not just X Factor, but all of those talent shows, I mean, I've just made a 20th anniversary series for Radio 2 about Pop Idol, and some of the, the judging comments and the things that were said just have not aged well. You wouldn't say it now. Yeah, but it's boring now. You have to be, everyone is wonderful, and you're going to be a star and all that. I mean, they're not going to be a star, you know. There's very few stars out there. And it's like, I think people have to be honest. That's the one thing about Simon. He was honest. And people mightn't have liked that, but it, it's very hard to make it in this business, even if you're good, you know. Listen, I don't know. I like to say it like it is. People are not have. People are haven't or they haven't got it, Kate. Yeah. You know, and you have people coming in singing and they're nice and they, but you forget about them two minutes later. That's no good. Yeah. Well, that's fair enough. And listen, you've you've sold almost uh, well, it's over seventy five million records as a manager. So you have more than earned uh, the right to have an opinion on that stuff. Um, so listen, I've got three questions for you. It sounds okay. simple, but I hope it's not. And I wanted to kick off with the first one. It's about you and your prolific use of the phone. You, unlike anyone else, I know are wedded to your phone. It's, I, I, whenever I think of you, it's in your hand or it's nearby, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Every, every single one of the acts that you've managed over the years, all of them, and anyone that's worked closely with you, as have I, we all do impressions of how you say goodbye on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I'm trying to get rid of the buffalo. Goodbye, 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 goodbye. Oh, yeah. Goodbye, 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 goodbye. It's like, yeah, <laughs> fuck off and leave me alone. Like, go, I'm somebody else. I have a bigger name on the other line. You know, exactly. and you do. You go okay. Bye 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 bye. It's an Irish thing, I suppose. It is. It I is. But I can't. I can't change now. Okay. It's too late. No. And you are, um, as am I, a fan of the phone call, right? If I phone you, you pick up. I, it doesn't matter always. what you're doing. I can always get through to you. So always. I wanted to talk about some of the most significant phone calls you've been a party to. See, either ones you've made or ones you've received. I want to start at the beginning with a phone call that changed the, that changed your career, that started your career. What's the one call that kicked off everything for you as a manager? I've had so many. I don't know. I mean, I suppose when I had boys on, I was told they had like a number one record. That was important to me at the time because a number one and doing top of the pops and doing all, that, that was all I ever wanted. So I suppose, uh, but but you'd already important. been started by then. So I'm thinking more like when you were out booking acts, earning your stripes as a, as a as a manager, as an agent, as, as an yeah. agent on the road. But I didn't have a phone. I didn't. Have Did you a not? Phone. I used, Did you used to go used to phone to, boxes? I used to use the phone box in in the town where I live in Kelchi Mall and putting in the coins trying to get the gigs. That's what I'm I, talking about. I learned it. Yeah, I used to do all that. We didn't have a phone at home. I remember you saying to me, I mean, like money was tight at home. You're one of nine children. You know, it was yeah. a busy house. So not only did you not have a phone, if you did, you wouldn't have been able to hear anything anyway. So you would gather as much pocket change as possible and go and literally, um, you know, hold the line up in the local phone yeah. box. And make as many, box. 
Yeah, and that's how you started your career in a phone that box. Absolutely, that is absolutely true, and that's the best way to start. Kate, I started at the bottom. That's what people don't realize today. You have to start at the bottom and claw your way there. And anybody I know that's kind of made it and has a long career, that's what that's what happens. You yeah. earn it. You work it. You know. You look at Robbie Williams and Gary Barlow and all these people. They've earned it. Yeah. They've all earned it. Look, Sharon Osbourne, you learn, you live, and you, and you, that's how you become good at what you do. You've definitely always had a passion and a drive for what you do. Tell me about who you would have been calling from that phone box. I would have been calling Dublin. I'd be calling like the, the big show band office in Dublin, trying to get the support slots for the local band that I was... Because if I got the support for the local band, I got into the gig free. Yeah. We had a night out and we got paid. Sometimes we got laid and paid. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. So who were the bands that you would have been repping at that time? Just local artists? There was a band called Time Machine. They were just a support act to all, to all the kind of show bands in Ireland, which were really great show bands. Bands like The Freshmen and Chips and Platinum. You wouldn't know them, but they were brilliant bands and they did put on a great show. But then I, I came to Dublin because I, I was no good at school. So I went to Dublin and I worked in a show band office. And that's how I, how I learned my craft, really. How did you get that job? Uh, through one of the guys in a show band I knew called Doc Carl. He got me in working with a guy called Tommy Hayden. And I met this guy called Johnny Logan. And I started to manage Johnny Logan. Didn't you meet Johnny Logan on a bus? Yes, I did. I did. (laughs) Going to Joseph and the Amazing Technic on a dream coach. on the bus, going to the gig. That's and we started chatting. And we he, he found out I love music and he loved music. And he said, I'd love you to manage me. And I said, Well, I will, you know, not knowing he had another manager at the time and a contract. So I was managing, hey. getting him small gigs, giving I was giving him support and I was giving him belief in himself. And then we got this song called What's Another Year. I didn't think it was a great demo. We put it in for the National Song Contest in Ireland and he won. And we went to The Hague in 1980 and he won the Eurovision. That's the real story. That's massive, right? So we've got to understand that, you know, the Eurovision is still huge to this day. It's huge. It, but at that time, it, was, it probably meant more and in Ireland meant even more. Winning for Ireland was amazing and especially beating the Brits, you know, <laughs> Every year it's like, do we do better than Brits? There's always that rivalry, you know. By the way, Britain did brilliant this year. But um, Ireland, yeah, we won in 1980. Then he won again in 1987. And I was with him then as well. That's that's huge. Yeah. And he was great fun to work with. But I got to go all around Europe with him because he did all the big TV shows in Germany and France and all over Scandinavia. And I discovered there's a whole life out there. He got top of the pops. He got number one. So that's, that opened up a lot of doors for me and gave me loads of ideas. Tell me about the phone call that you got to say that you'd got the, the National Song Contest. That that Because that is arguably the call that would have changed everything in terms of you going to the next level as a manager. Well, I got the call, but I wasn't excited about it because I didn't, I didn't think that the song was going to win. But on the night when it won, it was like, oh, my God, this is going to open so many doors. So it wasn't the phone call. I was in studio and he won. And then we went to The Hague and we won Eurovision. We didn't think we were going to win. You know? What was it like we travelling around with a, with a pop star at that point? Because you really hadn't left Ireland much, had you? I hadn't left Ireland. I'd never been to the airport that much. And I was going to France and Germany and... 
Scandinavia and Denmark, and we went to Turkey an awful lot. For some reason, he did really well in Turkey, and he was great fun to work with. And I had a brilliant time, and I learned an awful lot from working with Johnny Lewis. That that gave you a position in the music industry. It did. To discover and establish new acts. Yeah, exactly. I had a Ex- hit. It was 1980. There was none after that, but then he went back in in 87, and he won again with Holy Now. And we went to, where did we go? Brussels, and we won again. You know, and then yeah. I, w- I, I had another winner with Linda Martin in 1992, and I've had Jedward in Eurovision and loads of people. And so Eurovision has been good to me, and I've always enjoyed it. It's fun, it's kitsch, it's camp, but it's, it's fun. Let's move to a call that changed your fortunes because I was reading about a call that you took from May Phelan, uh, Shane's mum, who was a friend oh, of your own mum's. That's right. And when I think back to, to that phone call, that actually went on to absolutely change your fortunes. I mean, you're already a very successful manager at that point. You're boys I was managing, own. yeah. I was managing boys own. I was really busy in the office. I was getting loads of calls from loads of people. But this woman, she called me up and she said, I'm Mayf-. And she just, she caught me and she sold me this band. She told me all about her son, Shane. And for some reason, I believed her, you know? And I said, well, listen, I have a band at the moment. I'd like to meet them. And Ronan Keating had a big party in Dublin at that time. So I invited the band, they were called IOU, to this party. And I met Shane and Mark and Keen there. There were others in the band, but I had to get rid of them. And you didn't, you that, didn't, you didn't that, feel like they fitted, did you? They didn't fit. And I got them. I'll tell you what I did. They were massive Backstreet Boys fans. So Peter Aiken, a local promoter here, he called me and he said, I need a support for the Backstreet Boys. Have you got any of it? I said, I have. I know a young man. So I rang the boys. They could not believe it. That was a phone call that changed their lives. I called yeah. them in Sligo. I said, guys, you're on with the Backstreet Boys. And they were roaring and screaming. It was like they were so excited because they were like their biggest fan. So I got them on with them. I had a look at them. I knew they weren't right, but I knew there was one or two great singers there. That was Mark and Shane. So really, May phoning you, having spoken to She got me and I believed her. And she told me she was from Kelchima, where I'm from. And she said, oh, my son is like Michael Jackson. He dances like Michael Jackson. He's brilliant. But I actually believed her. You know? He doesn't know. He doesn't dance like Michael Jackson, Shane. No, but to her, to her, <laughs> it is. And he is a great dancer. And he's a great guy. He's, he's never out of tune. I shouldn't have taken that call. It shouldn't have worked. But, you know, it did. And sometimes you take a chance in life. I took a chance on that. What about one of the most difficult calls you've ever had to make or receive? Oh, telling people that they're not in the band or when I have to get rid of people. That's not a, that's not a nice thing. I telling people that they just failed the audition because, you know, they're waiting by the phone. And I understand what it means to them. And mm. sometimes you have to let people down. You have to let them down really easy. I hate doing that. I had to do that recently with somebody. And I didn't like, and I didn't sleep the night before. Honestly, it got to be because they're waiting for your call and it's either a yes or a no. And this was a no. And it wasn't easy. What about when you had to phone Colin Farrell and say no because you thought he was a crap singer? (laughs) Yeah, and Colin said to me, oh man, it's fine. I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be an actor. And I said, acting. I said, Colin, you're wasting your time. I said, it's too hard. And we still laugh about that today. Colin is a brilliant guy. He's everything I like about Ireland. He's funny. He's brilliant. He's good at his job. But he doesn't take it serious. He, you know, what did he auditioned for? Was it Westlife? Boys on. Boys on. <laughs> and he had a bandana. And I met him in the pod. And he had the whole look going on. And all the girls liked him. And um, 
he sang a song for me, but he, he wasn't great. He was okay. But um, I went with Ronan and Stephen in the end. When I think about difficult calls that we've had between ourselves, um, two moments stick out to me. And the first, I mean, hands down, the most difficult was talking about um, the death of Stephen Gately. Oh, he was such a good kid. Wasn't he it? really was. I know everybody says that about people when they die. No, but, but he Stephen, was. Stephen was so different and so nice. And you know what he was, Kate? He was grateful. He was incredibly grateful that he got a chance in life. And he was nice to everybody. Yeah. He, 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 he could have had a great career in the West End. And, oh, he, you know, he should still be around. I'd still be working with him. He was absolutely great kid. I loved him. I think his passing knocked the stuffing out of, I mean, all of you, didn't it? Um, but you, was, you were hugely and quite rightly affected. I remember that very well. Yeah, yeah, because I, I really liked him and it shouldn't have happened. And was the last thing in the world you expected. I'll always remember. I got the bad news after X Factor on a Saturday night. I'll always remember. I was in the car going through Hammersmith. Mm -hmm. I'll always mm -hmm. remember. There's too many people gone away. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was hard. I remember that that weekend. It was like because, surreal. Yeah. I just didn't believe it. And then I was in shock. And I, was, Andrew Lenars, the producer of the X Factor, he said, he said, you don't have to do the show tomorrow. And I said, no, I'll do it. I was in shock. I didn't realise what had happened. You know. I mean, looking then, back, I don't think you should have done the show that night because you really oh, no, no. were. I not... didn't realise. I was no. in shock. All the good ones are gone. Yeah. I know. Yeah, and I know you love, you were like a massive George Michael fan, weren't you? Yeah. You were like yeah. his biggest fan and you, you knew yeah. him and you loved him. And I loved him. I, I know. know you did. I know you and did. I still, I still have moments, I have days where I could sit and listen to him all day and then other days where if he comes on the radio I have to switch over because it's just too sad. I always remember you as being mm -hmm. like one of his biggest just loved him. You loved him and you loved him his music and you knew him as well. You, you know what? Him. He was he was that amazing combination of talent, heart, soul, and sass. Yeah. He had all and of it. Very few people have all of it, you know. Yeah. And he would still have been making amazing music, Kate. Because yeah. he always made great music. Never, you know? never didn't make great music. You think well, no, he no. was writing as a 15-year-old boy, like you know, careless whisper. Hello. Yeah, still a great, a classic. That was the song I used in the first auditions when I was auditioning for Boyzone. I, I picked a hard song, you know, to see what anybody would do. And there was only a few that were able to sing it, you know. And um, finally, if you could make a phone call to somebody who's no longer here, who would you call and what would you say? Oh, who would I call? I think I'd call Stephen Gately. Yeah. And I said, I've got a great song for him. Not another I, cover, Louis. <laughs> I would pick, but it would be a number one. I said, come on back, we've got a great song. Or I'd get it with Mariah Carey or somebody or Celine or something like that. I think that would be a really fun call to make. Didn't you get them together with Mariah Carey? Or was that Westlife? Uh, West, that was Westlife, yeah. They did Against All Odds. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was, and it was a number one record. And then they did a song with Diana Ross. That's right. That was, that was a number two when you tell me that you love me. And they did a song with Lionel Richie. You know, they, they sang songs with some brilliant people. How did you get those artists to work with, with, with Westlife? They wanted, they wanted a hit record and Westlife were selling. And everything that Westlife did was number one at the time. They had yeah. like 16 number one. So Mariah knew and she had this song, you know, and she knew if she put on the vocals with Mark, she loved Mark's vocal. And they did it in Capri. Uh, and it was, it was a great song. Who would have made those calls? You or Simon to the Mariahs and the Whitney's? And I got the Mariah one, believe it or not. <laughs> How did you get it, that? I got it through this lady 
who I, I know you know, Connie Filippello. Yeah. And that was a very funny phone call. Because <laughs> Connie is a very funny lady. And we can't Connie, tell that story, Louis. We can't Connie, tell that story. <laughs> that was too Connie Filippello. We've got to take that one to the grave. No, we won't. Um, we'll do it, we'll do it again. And um, yeah, but listen, it was great fun. You know what? We had fun in the business then. I need more fun. If you're okay. laughing is good. Well, that takes me very nicely to my next question. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I wanted to talk to you about the time that we first came to know each other. It was the 90s. It trickled into the noughties. You were kind of front and centre of everything that was going on in the charts. You were, you know, the proverbial pig in shit in as much as you were so yeah. happy to be in amongst yes, all of it. Yeah, and I, too, I had too much. I had too many acts and too many things. You were just on. having too much fun. And I wonder, when you look back... At that time, we obviously live in very different times now. Everything's changed. You know, people don't buy CDs anymore. We stream. Technology's changed everything. I do. I still go to Tower Records and buy, buy CDs and vinyl. Yeah. I can show you all the CDs around my house. I'll show you when we're finished. But you know what I mean? Like the way we work, even the way we A&R now, it's not about going to find bands uh, who are doing the live circuit. It's about data, followers. Everything's changed. TikTok. So I wonder. Yeah, TikTok. You know, TikTok oh, is, is, is Radio 1 now, right? So yeah. I wonder if, if you could look back and sort of think about the bits of the 90s and noughties that you miss, that you think, oh, I wish we still worked like that now. What are they and why was, was it such an important way of working for you? Um, I think I missed the way A&R guys work. I mean, there's no Simon Cowell or Colin Bowler. We need new people like that. They don't exist. And if you ring a record company, all you get is voicemail. You cannot get a living person in there, you know. Mm -hmm. I miss all that. And finding a song and bringing it in and talking to, like, Lucy and Grange. I used to talk to Lucy and Grange. Now he's running the world. I used to be able to run up to his office in the universe and have a great fun. He was an amazing character. 
you know? Yeah. And I would play songs and we'd always have fun and he'd dance around the office. He'd dance on playing guitar. This is Lucian who's now running Universal Worldwide. He's probably and, the most powerful man in music. But I love Lucian. I'm in touch with him a little bit, you know? I text him now and again just to say hello because he loves talking about the old Polydor days and stuff. But um, so you I used love- to be able to get Lucian like on, on you'd just be able to call and he'd pick up. The yeah. same with somebody like Rob Stringer. I mean, we live in an age now where you have to schedule a call. And in, you know, I, I, do you miss the spontaneity and the connectivity that we used to have despite having very yeah. few connections, you know, in terms of I the do. internet back then? I absolutely love it. And you mentioned Rob Stringer and you mentioned Lucian. They're still two of the biggest people in music, you know, but I just wish it could go back to the old way where you call them up and say, I've got this, I've got that, have a look, you know. Yeah. Uh, I have a great Rob Stringer story for you. Do you want to hear it? Go on, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to hate this. So I was trying to sell, this is a true story. Let's just set this out, right? Rob Stringer is the CEO of... Of Sony. Sony. And Lucien Grange is the CEO of Universal. Universal. And, they, and they're rivals. They're rivals, they're rivals they're but they are, they are it, really, in the music they're industry friendly. in terms of the majors. Right? So the- Rob Stringer started out here in the UK. People might remember his wife, Julia Carling. Uh, he's now based in New York and is king of everything at Sony. Yeah. So I'm trying to sell Westlife. And I'm doing kind of showcases in the pod in Dublin, putting them on, getting the guy into work. I nearly all the labels in. So I called Rob Stringer and I said, Rob, you missed out on Boyzone. Don't miss out on this. And I said, Simon Carl wants them, but I want you to have a listen to them. He said, OK, I'll fly over. And he flew over a few days later and he did the gig in the pod. Right. And it's you know, an Irish that- nightclub, right, which is where you used to showcase your bands. It was the best nightclub. And so Rob comes in, he sees the boys, they do the five songs, we meet and greet, do the whole thing, da 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 da. So then the driver takes him to the airport, right? The driver takes him to the airport. I know the driver. So I say, what did he, what did he think? What did he say? He said, oh, they're just another boy band. He just another moment. He called the guys and he said, "No, I came to Dublin. They're not with just another." Moment. So every time I see Rob Stringer, just another boy band. They sold fifty million records. That's the true story, and that's what Dublin is like. And be careful of drivers. Don't say anything in front of them because they always tell us back. True story. Another true story around uh, the formation of Westlife was the fact that, yes, you did have Simon Cowell very interested. And I remember you calling me going, he's in, he's in. I think he's in, I think he's in. But he took umbrage to one of of the boys. I think it was Kian, wasn't it? And he said he's got to go. No, Shane. Shane. Shane, Shane, right? He came to Dublin. I had six guys originally. And three. So he told me, he said, darling, they're okay. You need to change four of them. Change four of them and I'll come back and look at them. I changed three of them. I couldn't change four of them because they were all like friends and like that. So I got rid of the three that I thought didn't have it. And I said, Shane, he didn't like you. So I said, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to change your look. So we did. We dyed his hair blonde. He was blonde. <laughs> Seriously, I had auditions. I found Mark. No, I found Nikki and remember Brian McFadden? He was in yes. Westland. I found Brian McFadden. And so Simon came back in. They were only three minutes in, in, into the set. He said, I'm signing them. This is amazing. I loved them. Blah, blah, blah. We signed them. We had hits. And a few weeks later, he said to me, where did you find the little blonde guy? He's really great. I said, Simon, that's Shane who you said no to. You know, he says, no. I said, it's Shane. We dyed his hair blonde. You didn't know. You were wrong. 
So we laughed. He wasn't always right, but he was brilliant to work with. You know, he had a brilliant, he made everything happen for Westlife. It wasn't what, uh, what you had with him and Westlife was his full attention, which is something he yeah. wouldn't be able to give anybody it. now. And when Simon puts his mind to something, he went out and, you know, flying without wings was, I mean, the moment you played that to me, it was like, you are on every radio. It, 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 it didn't just do Radio Steve 1, it did everything. A, it, it went was, everywhere. It was a, it, That was a global hit. And that changed that was, that was That was originally for Stephen Gately, you know. I know. Yeah. But I, when Simon heard it, he says, I want it. I want, and there was no stopping him. And he got the producer writer, Steve Mack, who's now writing. How, do you, how did you tell Stephen that? Because you're managing both acts. Stephen, I'm taking this amazing song from you as a solo him. artist. I told him and he, he was okay about it. Bloody that hell. was the good thing. I know him, but he was really okay about it. When you were thinking of the other, the other facets of life in the 90s music industry that you really wish were still a part of your everyday working life, what are they? Well, I miss record shops. I miss yeah. HMV and Tower and all that, even though we have a Tower in Dublin and I do go there. Um, I miss all that. I miss Smash Hits, Kate. Yeah. It was brilliant. I miss Top of the Pops. Oh, I miss, so do I. I miss, you know, the Saturday morning shows. I miss yeah. the, the midweek charts on a Tuesday. You know, I miss Smash Hits, the pole party. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Michelle, Michelle Hockley. And remember, well, listen, it was a great time. We had great fun. It was a time of great decadence as well. I mean, there's money swashing around. So make stuff happen uh, from, you know, the really fantastic to the utterly ridiculous. Totally. And I mean, the charts, there was all kinds of music in the charts. Mm -hmm. You could have Oasis or Boys Over, Samantha Mumb or Girls Over. It's going to be everything, you know. It was a different time. Radio was different as well. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm, I'm prepared to move with the times. I do like a lot of the new music. I still buy music. I listen to the charts. You know, I know what's going on. I know all the yeah. tours and everything. I, listen, I'm an addict. I still read Billboard and Music Week and all that stuff, you know? Do you? Well, oh, yeah. I, say, I say do you. I know you do because you live yeah. and breathe this business. I think there's still a part of you that is a music-loving teenager from a yeah. small sleepy town in Ireland that can't believe his luck. Totally. And... Music was my escape when I was young. You know, I wasn't playing football. I didn't want to, I wasn't into studying. I didn't want a normal life or a normal job. And music was my escape, Kate. And I used to, you know, that was, I talked with the pops on a Thursday, 7.30. When you think about the people whose paths you've crossed uh, in, in the time that's passed since then, you know, we talked a, a minute ago about working with Mariah and Diana Ross and Whitney. Um, what are those moments where you stand there and you are that pop music loving teenager that can't quite believe he's in the room with people? I'm like a that? fan. I'm still a fan. I mean, Bowie and Elton are still two of my all time heroes, you know, and I've met both of them and I love Elton, you know. Um, I have a signed picture from Bowie over there, you know. It's like I'm still a fan. And they're all people and they all love music. And I love the fact that a lot of them have longevity. They go on forever. Elton is like probably the greatest example of that, you know. He's, yeah. still, he's still making music. He's still loving music. He's still touring. He's selling out everywhere. You know, there won't be anybody else like Elton John. And then you had this kind of transition between uh, working as a manager of big multi-million selling acts to work alongside them. So, you know, obviously working alongside people like Sharon and then Britney Spears when you, you stood in on um, X Factor US. Oh, yeah. Nicole Scherzinger, Gary Love Harlow. Nicole. Love Nicole. I'm still in touch with Sharon Osbourne and Nicole. 
you know, they text me a lot and we text each other. We don't call every day, but we're in touch. We know what's going on. Yeah. And uh, they were great people. Simon was great too. In his own odd, odd way, he was great, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And who else did I like? You love Gary Barlow. Uh, Gary. Gary is just a gem. He's a gem. And, you know, he's living proof that if you work hard and write good songs, you can do it. And he's, he's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Sharon was okay, you know. Um, who else? Rita Ora was okay. Who else? Danny Minogu. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, they were okay. What about Britney? You know, I, Britney didn't say much. She didn't say much. When I, when I was only with her for two days, she actually had earplugs in her ears. You know, oh, I don't understand. Yeah. How can you listen to auditions when you've got earplugs? I because she's Britney. I don't care. But she was there. She was nice. You know, I talked to her about Colin Farrell because I knew they had met a few times, and um, you know, that kind of broke the ice with, with her. And she was really nice. But I think she, you know they used to take her out after maybe every twenty minutes and give her something. You know, maybe coffee or something. I don't know what it was. But she used to have, and then she come back. She'd be all perky for a while. Um, but listen, I love her. She's a survivor. She's going to be okay. When you know now what we know, and you look back at how she was clearly behaving at that time, you you start to join the dots, don't you? And you yeah. think, gosh, you know, you were a bystander there, not knowing what was going on. But my God, I wish somebody had stepped in and helped that woman. She's fine. She's, she's going to tour again. I'd, I'd like her to make another record, you know? Mm. I remember when we, were you getting really giddy because we had Barry Manilow in. He looks so weird. I mean, come That's on. He looks so weird. You were in a right tiz about it. You couldn't understand no. what happened to him. Well, he looked weird. I love Cher. I remember when oh, Cher I was there. Cher. I love Cher. Cher looked amazing. You know, she's older than both of us together, you know? She's amazing. She uh, no, I still, I still, I, I went to see her in Miami and she was brilliant. And I would go and see Celine. I saw her in Miami as well. And she was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, yeah. I mean, actually, I like you, my divas. I like you divas. Do, you do like a diva, don't you? Of you course, do like nothing, a diva. Nothing wrong with it. And I like country, you know, I like country music too. It's not very cool to say that, but I love country music. And it's the biggest music in America, you know. A great song is a great song, yeah. you know. And people who like it, you get on the radio. Radio is hard to get now for, for pop acts, you know, because everybody's playing formats and stuff, and there's all this dance stuff, and it's like by anonymous people. But, but do you need radio to break a track now? I don't know that you do. I think TikTok has the ability to do, you know, far greater yeah, numbers yeah, for you. Yeah, TikTok. But it's nice to get radio as well. Of course. Of and course. TV. And TV. You know, and obviously, but I think everything helps. Yeah, there's no, there's no TV I mean, look, shows for them to go and perform on now. There's no Top of the Pops. Uh, there's no Saturday morning kids shows. All that that kind of familiar route that we all used to travel to break bands, that just doesn't exist in the same way anymore. No, that, no, that, you that have, was a nineties thing. For the indie band, well, for the about you have Jules Holland and stuff, and you have the talent shows like like Britain's Got Talent. There's always somebody. Yeah, you, you've got to be an established act to get on there. Where do you go yeah. if you're starting out? You know, it's hard. Yeah, or know somebody. If you know yeah. somebody, you might get them on. Exactly. <laughs> That's why you need Louis Walsh as your manager. Okay, ready for your last question. It's been reported that you have made at least 12 unknown artists into millionaires. So you've changed people's fortunes. And 
I wondered if you could talk to me about the people that came into your world and ultimately changed your own fortunes. Honestly, I mean, where Boys On happened, you know, I mean, it shouldn't have happened, but it happened because we, don't, we, were, we were blindly innocent and we made, we made some good songs, you know. Were they great singers? No. But they had personality and they looked and they charmed everybody in the UK. Do you know what? They were so nice as well, Louis. That yeah, with, they I, were. I've got to say that about both Boys On and Westlife. You know, the goodwill they ex exists today towards them, and people still remember that they always turned up on time. They shook yeah. everyone's hand. They remembered everyone's name. They told a few funny jokes. You know, they they worked the room. They were nice, but you yeah, but were the reason they did that. You absolutely coached them in that. Well, they were grateful. They were grateful to be on the show, and popbacks have to remember. You know. These producers can pick anybody they want, you know, to be on, on the TV. So why should they pick you? So if you're nice and you show up and you're professional, you have a good chance of getting back, you know. And you meet the same people on the way down, you meet on the way up, you know. And it, we, we should never remember, we should, we should never forget that. So, I mean, we've got to say Johnny Logan's definitely one of your change makers, right, in terms of the yeah. fortune that he Simon brought to... Simon put me on TV. I didn't want to be on TV, Kate. It was never in my dreams to be on no, TV. But you did Pop Stars Arrivals before that. Yeah, I did with Pete Waterman and Jerry Halliwell, who's now gone all posh. Have you seen her? She's all very <laughs> posh. Hello? You're from Watford? Jerry? Um, yeah, pop stars arrivals. Oh, that, that was fun. Did you host so that? No, Davina hosted that. I did Pop Idol and then X Factor. Okay. Yeah, so who would have put you on screen for pop stars arrivals? Would that have been Nigel Lithgow? No. It was... What's the, the really camp producer? Really camp. Oh, so That's funny. A, you'll, have, you'll have to be so much more specific than that. There's a lot to choose from. He was so funny. He was the funniest guy. Anyway, he, he met me in London in a hotel and he said, do you want to be on TV? I said, no, I didn't want to be on TV. I was very happy just managing the bands and just all that stuff. I was making good money as a manager. Ah. And then he offered me a load of money and I just said, yes. <laughs> it was like, that. yeah, I'll do it. It was to do something that I like doing anyway, you know. But then when I did that show, Pop Stars Arrival, I thought I was going to get the boy band, you know. Yeah. I was convinced. And it was Pete Waterman, me and Jerry. And um, they gave me the girls, you know. I, oh, geez, I don't want them, you know. Why didn't you want a girl band? I've never understood your reluctance to manage female artists. Oh, Girls don't like each other in bands. It's very, very simple. Look at the sugar babes, how many lineups have they had? And they were brilliant. <laughs> Three of them, you know. Girls don't like each other. They all want to be the lead girl. They all want to go out with the footballer. They all want to be the skinniest. You know, so I had these five girls and um, I Colin Barlow. Colin Barlow found this great song, Sound of the Underground. So it was a brilliant song. Colin found it and it was Polly or not me. There was a guy called Peter Rain involved as well. He yeah, was great. he's wonderful. He's brilliant. And Pete thought he was going to win with his band One, one Loud Voice, was it? One True Voice. He hasn't really talked to me ever since. Took it really badly. I saw Pete recently. He's on good form, you know. He's on good form. I but love Pete. He's not a good loser. You know, Neither he told you. me once he, you know, he's not a good loser. He's fun. I like him. And he, he's, he, he, PWL were brilliant. Ah. You should get them on. They, were, they did amazing stuff for English pop music. Oh, yeah, they did. Why don't they get back together? I don't know that they get on. Who cares? Look yeah. at ABBA. Yeah, they're look back. at ABBA. I mean... Look at them. And they're looking well. Simon Cowell is probably somebody that brought a lot no, of Simon, fortune into your world because of the way 
you worked together on Westlife. They they are still your biggest selling band. And okay. they were the act that probably got him taken more seriously in the A&R world uh, yeah. than he had been previously. Yeah, and he made, he worked every single day. We were on the phone every single day. And he was happy. If he wasn't happy with the video, he'd just redo it. He yeah. wasn't happy with the mix of the song. He would redo it. He, you know, he's he's a producer's nightmare, but he knows what he wants. And then he get the record played, and he make sure to get all the TVs. And he's on the phone to everybody. He's a brilliant hustler, you know. And that's why then he did so many other acts after that. You know, there'll be no One Direction or Little Mix only Oliver Simon. And he did El Devo and Five and Susan Boyle and da 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the track record is extraordinary. We need but... him to come back. But you two worked together quite well, and you know he, he he always assumed I would I would say the voice of control. But you were always very mischievous in terms of like, for example, Shane, Shane getting his hair dyed. Right, Simon wanted him out of the band. You were like, no way, he's staying in. So you found a workaround to manipulate the outcome you wanted. And I think that's yeah. probably very true of a lot of your exchanges as colleagues and friends. Yeah, but I mean, I would do, I wouldn't do things in a bad way. I would, I would no. be mischievous. Yeah, yeah, that's me. I can't help myself, and I can't change. You know, but working with Simon was brilliant. It really was, and it was fun. He's a very fun person. Not just the way he dresses, or the hair. He's fun. I remember there was. Oh God, it must have been early seasons of X Factor. But you know, when we'd have like a bit of downtime in the judges' room in between filming sessions. You'd left your phone on the table. Oh. And, do you remember this? And Simon. He got my phone and he sent a text to somebody. He sent Did a text know? to, yeah, it was to the head of one of the record labels. And it, it said, was to Nick Raphael, yeah, who, was, who was an A&R guy in Sony. <laughs> and he sent this text to him, darling, I'd love to call around to see you and we'll watch Gladiator during the week. And it's like, I didn't know who he sent it to. He'd sent him a text saying, hey, I'm over in London filming. It'd be great to catch up. I've got my Blockbuster membership with me. Do you fancy watching Gladiator? No, he's very funny. And it was funny, but I mean, it was just, I was, and I shouldn't have left my phone down in front of him. But anyway, I'm sure he did lots of other things as well. But you know I what? <laughs> I'd do it all again. It was great. So we've got Johnny Logan, we've got Simon, we've got the guy whose name you can't remember that put you on telly. Who else have been the people that have brought great fortune to your life and world? Westlife, Boyzone, Simon, that's it, you know. And I enjoy my life. I enjoy life. You, do, you know, don't you? I'm, just, I'm happy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, will you ever forget, you ever forget me hassling you about something? The new act of the year mm. of Smash Hits. Oh, God, yeah. You two bloody brothers. I gave in, though. I gave them to you. They were nice lads, but oh, Louis. Yeah, you were relentless. That was hard work. It was like, look who's stalking. You used to fax me, phone me, I page every me. Every day. <laughs> Promise you the world. Promise you everything. <laughs> By the way, thanks very much. <laughs> what were they called, your brothers? The Carter twins. The Carter twins. Lovely lads. Yeah, he used to say to me, they're like two young Elvises. <laughs> yes, I just, for God's sake, get him off the phone. I'm... I've got Simon Cowell holding with Robson and Jerome. <laughs> oh, God. That's, that, was, that was what was so funny about you. God, the way things have moved, moved on and played out. You know, the power shift has definitely uh, shifted in my favour. <laughs> but there was a time Listen. when Simon had to be nice to me, otherwise his acts didn't get into the biggest music magazine in the country. 
Yeah, and the biggest TV show on that Sunday afternoon. That was the big yeah. one in Wembley. Oh, God. Yeah, the Smash It's Pole winners. And, you know, when I took that um, on as the editor, I, I, I was, became very unpopular because I said, I think we need a new host. And I think it was Philip Schofield who'd been hosting up until then. And I put Anton Deck in, and it was their first live TV show. Really? Mm. Wow. And do they ever thank you? Yeah, always. They're amazing. Oh, That's okay. Yeah, That's they good. are. And, nice. and it was it was the um, the poll winners that year. We had Prince lined up. He was known then as a symbol, right? And the morning of the show, um, uh, yeah, he just didn't show. He didn't show. And um, I we had to get the Carter twins. I was looking at my running order, and I think we had to try and get. I think we ended up giving Robbie Williams two songs, but he'd only had one hit. <laughs> oh well, you know what? You always believed in Robbie. So I'd been over to see you in Dublin. With yeah. Denise Van Out, with Denise yeah. Van Out, one year, and Rob was over there, and he was not in his best shape at no, that he time. Wasn't. You know, his lifestyle was not where it is now, and it was a bit of a mess. And his mum Jan would, or his sister, uh, would always be phoning me, going, "Have you seen our Robert? Is he all right?" And I'm like, "I'm in Dublin, but I haven't seen him." And I'll, well, I'll try his hotel room, and you know, I, you know, they were worried about him, and absolutely with good reason. So any event where I eventually track him down and he was with some some guy or other. Anyway, we were walking to a petrol station late one night to get cigarettes and he started singing me a song that he'd just written and that was Angels. I know, but I know, because he co-wrote with a guy in Dublin. You know, That's right. It's, it's, yeah, it's living proof. No, he had the X Factor. So I knew, just, I knew he, was, he was good. I knew he was good. He needed but the also, right song. Yeah, but but a lot of people, Kate, a lot of people would have given up on him, but no, he's, he knows exactly. He has a great instinct, Robbie. Yeah. about life and about everything. I know he has. I think, you know, as you can have all the talent in the world, but I think for him, he needed to end up in the right hands by way of management. And it took a while, but ultimately he found his way to um, David and Tim, uh, uh, David yeah. Enthoven, uh, and, and Tim, who, look after, who looked after his career. And they, they got him clean and they got him to believe in himself again. And totally, I, yeah. And, and he does. And he, he's great. He's an entertainer and he's funny and you never know what he's going to say or do. You know, that's what I like about him, you know? Yeah. And his wife is lovely. Yeah, I like he's her. He's great fun. She's, she's really great fun. Yeah, she like really her. is. He's lucky he's got her. Anyone else that you think has been seminal in, in terms of who you are and where you are? My mother and father. <laughs> They're important in my life, you know? Frank, Frank and um, Maureen, yay! Absolutely. And listen, I like, I think I like living in Dublin more. I think living here, it keeps you grounded. You know, you can't get too big for your boots in Dublin. People tell yeah. you. And like Bono walks around here and nobody really cares. And Van Morrison and Sinead and Connor and all these great people. You see them all in, in town, you know, and nobody cares. There's no paparazzi chasing around. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're a happy man, aren't you? Yeah. Most of the time. As long as you've got your record collection and the ability to buy a new piece of art, I think that's yeah, you do. Yeah, a bit of music, How, yeah. Yeah. Can we get together and let's drag yeah. Sharon out? We are always saying we're going to do that, and we should do it. We well, you know it'll be an all-day and all-nighter. I'm up for that. I can clear the yeah. diary. Absolutely, good. Let's get the band back together, Louis. The old band, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Triple threat. <laughs> <laughs> Our combined ages are quite frightening now, aren't they? It's like, Jesus, we're old. Oh, it's still good fun. No, we have experience. You can't buy experience. You can't buy experience. You're quite That's right. True. Good luck with the new band, whatever you decide to call them. Um, please phone know. me up and harass me into supporting them, just like you used to back in of the day. Of course I will. Of course I will. Of course I will. <laughs>
Uh, a huge thank you to the wonderful Louis Walsh for joining me on this week's episode. And of course, if you fancy more great chat with talent show judge icons or pop legends, look no further than our back catalogue where you'll find episodes with the likes of All Saints, Steps, Craig Revel Horwood, Danny Minogue, Dame Arlene Phillips, Banana Rama, Michelle Visage, Sophie Ellis Bexter, Hanson, Gary Barlow, and so many more. My thanks to you, as always, for your company and to Ben Robbins and the Yahoo Studios team who produced the show with me and our editor, Andy Angson. Music, as always, comes courtesy of Andy Val, whose music is available with Ride, Oasis and his solo work wherever you get your music. I'll be back next Friday with more great guests. Until then, look after yourselves. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.